0: Good morning, everybody. It's good It's good to see so many of you out, and uh, a special welcome to our guests, and also to those that'll tune in later in the week. This is a special day for us. Uh, we've not had a service uh, in the Fellowship Hall for quite a while, so This is going to be almost like a new experience. Plus, um, right after the service today, uh, we can enjoy a a potluck uh, meal together, and everybody is welcome to stay. So we are in for a special morning service today. Uh, Pastor Vic has chosen an interesting message for us. And, of course, we will enjoy some hearty singing together, and then we'll enjoy a meal together. Sharing a meal together is an experience of service, love, and unity, an opportunity for fellowship and to strengthen the community of the church. So I would like to... uh, um, Take the Bible and uh, turn to Acts 2, uh, verse 42. In uh, my NIV uh, student Bible, it's just under the heading of the Fellowship of the Believers. And Acts 2:42 goes like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our God and that you care for us. Thank you for inspiring us to gather in your house of the Lord. Hear our worship in song and music and enrich our learning through the pastor's message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mark, would you come up and lead us in song?
1: Good morning. morning. We get to sing together today. Start with number 572 Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Three songs in a row here, so we're going to cut a verse out of the next one. Next one is number 265, My Jesus, I Love Thee, and we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. song we'll sing number 582 I'm pressing oh, how's it end. pressing on the mm-hmm. upper way
0: Maybe I'd like to make just a comment. Uh, This Fellowship Hall, the way we're gathered here, it feels that you've all come to sit in the front seats. (laughs) It's good. All right, let's take a look at our bulletin. Our missionaries for the week are K and K. And they plan to be here in two weeks from today. And they'll be uh, reporting on their work and bring the morning message. That's in two weeks. But please remember them in your prayers. In uh, Boundary Trails are Tina Fair and Anne Weens, And in your bulletin, it also mentions Wally Neufeldt. But Wally came home uh, from the hospital Friday. Uh, For VBS, Anna Friesen is still looking for volunteers to help her with the program. And I am sure it is a joy for the children to participate and those that volunteer to help them. We have two graduates from our congregation, Michael Peters and Nathaniel Fraze. Congratulations to them. And God guide them, and God guide you on your first steps into the future. Thanks. So please read the rest of the announcements for your convenience. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and give you thanks for your forgiveness and grace. Lord, we bring before you Tina Fair and Anna Weens, who are in hospital. Also, Carol and Wally and others who are struggling with health issues at home. We pray that your healing hand be upon them instill in them that blessed assurance that you are there for them in their journey. This is a time when students graduate and look toward their future in anticipation. Our hearts and prayers go out to them, and especially for Michael and Nathaniel from this congregation, Lord, as our Savior, Like a shepherd, lead them, take their hand, give them confidence of their calling. Lord, we pray that volunteers will come forward to assist Anna for VBS. Bless the children and their families as they participate. Thank you, Lord, that you have inspired Pastor Victor to enlighten us in the reverence of when we present our prayers to you in your name. Give him the words to speak, and open our ears to hear, that our relationship with you be enriched. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would the ushers please come forward and receive the offer, and uh, Lori will provide the offertory. And uh, Elsie will follow a scripture reading.
2: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is taken out of John, chapter 14, verses 12 to 26. John, chapter 14, starting at verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you because before long the world will not see you any, see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and i too will love him and show myself to him then judas not judas iscariot said but lord why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world jesus replied if anyone loves me he will jesus replied if anyone loves me he will obey my teaching My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will re- will remind you of everything I have said to you. Thus far, today's scripture reading.
3: Good morning. I've been looking forward to this, because I think I learned something. So I'm happy to share it with you. Last time I preached, it was on the ascension of Jesus Christ, and I used John 14 for my text. And in this text, we discovered uh, that Uh, Because of Jesus' ascension, we have a number of assurances. The ascension assures us that Jesus will return. It assures us that he will take us to be with him forever. That Jesus is the only way to the Father. That Jesus and the Father are one. That Jesus will answer our prayers. That Jesus manifests himself to us. That is, he shows himself to us, and that the words of Jesus will come to pass. All those things are assured because he ascended. Now, you might remember uh, that I hinted at taking a further look at Jesus' promise to answer our prayers. <clears throat> what triggered this pursuit, in my mind, were the words of John fourteen fourteen where Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What exactly does that mean? To the Western mind, it sounds like Jesus is offering himself to be our genie in a bottle, who will grant all our wishes. Yet experience tells us that Jesus is not a vending machine for our, for our prayer requests. You know? Drop in a prayer and out pops the right answer. He is not that. <clears throat> as though, <laughs> as though God, our happiness is God's only concern. The words that caught my attention here are in my name. <clears throat> if we ask Jesus anything in his name, He will do it. That's what he said. So, all I have to do when I pray is tack on the phrase, in Jesus' name, and then my prayers are answered, right? Is that what it means? Is that what we think it means? Perhaps not. Maybe the first question we should ask or look at is this What's in a name? What is the significance of a name? How is a name used? I found a book that explains figurative language of the Bible, and it had some explanation about the use of names that I found helpful. Uh, Just a bit of a grammar lesson here first. You've heard of synonyms, which are words with similar meaning, like speak and say. You've probably also heard of antonyms, which are words with opposite meanings, like right and wrong. What is at work here is the use of metonyms. Now, does anyone know what that word means? (laughs) I sure didn't. A metonym is uh, using uh, one word to mean another word when they're closely related. So the example used in in my dictionary was this. Uh, One waitress might say to another, "The, the ham sandwich on table two is waiting for his drink. Well, we know right away she's not referring to a ham sandwich because the ham sandwich doesn't drink. And we understand immediately that she means the guy who ordered the ham sandwich is waiting for his drink, right? We're not confused about that. So anyway, that's, that's the concept here. So now let's look at a few examples from the scripture. Luke six forty five, For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In this case, the mouth is, uh, or his mouth is the name for the person to whom it belongs, right? The mouth doesn't speak on its own. Therefore, the mouth stands for the person whose mouth it is. Luke uh, 21-12. You will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. We are held to account by our rulers for things we say or do, right? So that's why uh, uh, that's why you would be brought before kings and rulers. So this verse could read, you will be brought before kings and governors for the things you say or do. So in that case, my name represents the actions that we perform because we belong to Jesus, right? That is the reason that people are brought before kings and governors is because of how they live, right? So maybe that one's a little bit confusing, but (laughs) my name in that case or the name, stands for action. It's the way we live. It's what we do. That's the reason we get brought before kings and governors. Matthew 24, 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Here, my name represents authority. Many will come using the authority of Jesus' name, saying, I am the Christ. So the name represents authority. Acts 10, 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. In this case, we could say that his name stands for power, the power to forgive sins. None of us have that power, so his name here represents power. Uh, Mark 16, or sorry, 6, verse 14. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Well, here, it's an example of reputation. It's the, the, Jesus' reputation that had come to Herod ahead of him. So, uh, that, in this case, the name stands for reputation. The name of Jesus as the gospel message. If you look at Acts 9, 15, uh, speaking of Paul, there it says, uh, God is saying, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Here it's an illustration uh, where my name it means the gospel message. That's what's being brought to people. So, this is not an exhaustive list but it gives you some idea of what is carried with a name. So what's in a name? Representation. The name represents the person. The name represents the actions of that person. The authority, the power, the reputation of that person. The message of that person. So what does it mean then to say or do something in someone's name? One of the words we've already used is representation, or if I say something to represent another, I do so on behalf of another person. Well, what do we need to do to be able to represent someone well? If I want to represent Dennis well, then I better know Dennis. (laughs) I better know what he thinks and what he wants to say. And the better I know him, the better I can represent him. In business, a company representative must know his employer, his ways, his goals. And without this knowledge, this representative actually probably wouldn't really know what to do and probably uh, tarnish the reputation of the company. In matters of state, an ambassador must know his country, its history, its laws, and its values and be able to articulate the goals of its leaders. A power of attorney must know his or her client and represent the interests of that client. A a lawyer must, you know, same thing, must be able to represent the person he or she represents. And so it goes on. A doula in a hospital must be able to represent the The requests of uh, the woman giving birth to to the nurses and the doctors that are in the room. A stockbroker handling money, right? All these ways are, uh, all these things are ways of representing. Some of these are workplace representations and some of these are, have to do with actually representing a person. To do or say something on behalf of another person is to fully represent that person. right? character, values, authority, power, reputation, all those things. Now imagine if her royal majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, would send an envoy to another world leader. She would choose that envoy carefully, especially if it was a high-stakes encounter. She would expect to be represented accurately in word and deed so that her envoy would speak only her message and in a manner that is uh, befitting of her royal station and in the tone in which she means to say it. That gives us a good idea of what it means to do or say something on someone's behalf. Now, to gain a little perspective let's look at what I think is a poorly understood commandment. It speaks of the name of the Lord our God and instructs us how we shall handle it. If you want to see it, uh, turn to Exodus chapter 20, at verse seven, Exodus 20, verse seven, and there you will see the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain." Well, what is he saying? What does it mean to take the name of God in vain? I grew up, as many of you did, with the understanding that this meant that we should not use the name of God as an expletive. Don't use it as a swear word. If that were true, it would be the easiest commandment to keep. But I believe its meaning is not that. We have a practice in the Western world where, upon marriage, a bride takes the name of her husband. This practice is not mandated by Scripture, but it reflects a truth of Scripture, that when we become followers of Christ, we likewise take his name. We become Christians, Christians, right? We take his name. We are the people of Christ. Even in the Old Testament, God refers to Israel as my people who are called by my name. They're the people of God. The point at which we take God's name Everything we say and do is associated now with him because of the relationship we have entered. Just like husband, wife, and children share the family name, all their words and deeds uh, shape the reputation of the family. We have become ambassadors for Christ We have taken the name of the Lord, and we represent him. To take the name of the Lord in vain is to misrepresent it. To take it and not live according to his person, his character, his values, his authority, his power, his reputation, his goals, and his message... to take the name of the Lord in veins, to call yourself a Christian and misrepresent Christ by anything we say or do that does not align with him. Like the Queen's ambassador represents her, we represent our sovereign Lord, even in our thoughts. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It's an impossible command. We can't do it. So what does our adherence to the third commandment look like now? We know the answer. Consider also... God's warning to his prophets. God cares very much about how he is presented. And and I think this is actually a good argument for why we can trust that the scriptures are inerrant. They represent God. They have to be right. They have to represent him fully, completely, and clearly, and without error. But listen to what God says in Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 to 20. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of another God, that same prophet shall die. Do you think God is concerned about how we represent him? Turn to Matthew chapter seven at verse 21. And listen to Jesus' warning to his disciples about those who do things in his name. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Just because we say we did something in Jesus' name, it is no cover for misrepresenting him. We will be exposed. What does verse 21 say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. To think that we have represented Jesus or the Father by saying in his name, while we live contrary to the will of God, is to be self-deceived. We cannot do anything in Jesus' name if we are walking in disobedience to his will. Without making repentance a regular part of our lives, I don't think we can represent Jesus. Most of our sins are against each other. So how do we treat each other? Are we keeping the slate clean? Or do we rob each other by being dishonest in our dealings? Do we mislead each other with lies or half-truths? Do we slander each other with rumor? Do we commit adultery with our eyes? Do we murder relationship with angry words? Do we insist that so-and-so must ask for forgiveness before I will forgive? Do we withhold forgiveness because we prefer to take offense? Does someone irk you because he or she said or did something that we think was completely inappropriate or insensitive? Do we roll our eyes at someone because because we think they just don't catch on? Do we nurture bitterness in our own hearts? Do we feed our dissatisfaction with a brother or a sister? Do we wish someone's downfall because we think it serves them right? Do we hold each other at arm's length to avoid being vulnerable? Do we we refuse to love deeply because it will require real humility. Are we just too ashamed to face up to the sin we have committed? If we are not in healthy, reconciled relationship with each other, then we are misrepresenting the one whose name we bear. How then will our prayers be heard? It may be that the key to growth in this church is to take our relationships with each other more seriously. Imagine the blessing that might follow if we were completely open toward one another, with no grudges, no indifference, no unforgiveness. If we loved each other deeply from the heart full of kindness and love and grace and mercy. This kind of love overlooks differences of opinion. It makes room for theological differences. It is more important than political correctness. It is stronger than social pressures. And it endures all kinds of testing. Could we live like that? If we could live like that, then we could say to the Lord, we did prophesy in your name. We cast out demons in your name and did many mighty works in your name. Now I think we're ready to answer the question we set out to answer. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? Let's read that, uh, those verses again, John 14:13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, if we're going to ask the Father in Jesus' name, what is all brought into the picture? To ask something on behalf of Jesus is to fully represent him, his character, his values, his message, his will. And we must do so in a manner that is worthy of his position. Do you know what his position is? Philippians 2, verses nine to 11 say this, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Are we prepared to represent this name in our prayers? And there's yet another consideration. Praying and asking in Jesus' name actually puts us in a really tight spot. Because we are representing Jesus Christ the name above all names, to whom? His Father, the Sovereign of the universe. There is no known relationship closer than the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we pray to the Father, representing Jesus, His Son, we are called on to do what we actually can't do. It's impossible. How can we represent Jesus to his own father? Jesus is the perfect ambassador. Jesus is the one who came to us with a message from the one he was representing the God of heaven and earth. And do you remember what he said? In John twelve forty nine? Jesus said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a command, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus has demonstrated what it means to act and speak in the Father's name. So now, Jesus has turned the tables, and he instructs us to represent him to the Father. Our task then is to know Jesus so well that we represent him faithfully to the Father in the things we ask of the Father. This means we better be reading the scriptures. It means meditation, thinking about what do those scriptures mean. Guidance from his Holy Spirit, the spirit that he has put in us. And prayer, this is how we know him. And our task also includes repentance, and confession and forgiveness, so as to walk with each other in such a way that we are not out of step with his person, his character, his values, his authority, his power, his reputation, his goals, his message, his will. What we dare not do is misrepresent him and add in Jesus' name to the end of our prayers when we are not in step with him or to somehow make ourselves holy with those words. To pray in Jesus' name does not require us to say those words. Our lives will show if we are praying in his name. So what do we do? What can we do? I've brought you to a place of hopelessness, (laughs) but we won't stop there. Jesus said we can ask anything in his name and he will do it. He wants us to do that. But at the same time, we've been given this impossible task of representing him clearly and accurately to the Father who knows him completely and who will know in a heartbeat when we misrepresent him, when we are false. So our every thought, our every word, our every deed is scrutinized when we pray. This puts us in the same place that the disciples were when Jesus said to them that it was easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. The disciples responded by asking, well, then who can be saved? But Jesus uh, looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So the impossible thing that we have been tasked with, because of God, possible. The answer is in the verses that follow the command. And I'll read some of those verses again. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wow, that sounds a lot like the fellowship of the Trinity, doesn't it? Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. but the fathers who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you, give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid." Do you sense his invitation? He wants to be in you and with you. Brothers and sisters, let's accept the assurance that Jesus gives. Let, let not your hearts be troubled. We don't need to fret about failing to do the impossible things that God has commanded. Though they cause us to tremble, God knows they are impossible. Do you think that God is surprised when we sin, when we do not measure up? God has not abandoned us, but he has equipped us with knowledge, with his spirit, with his peace. If we love Jesus, we will obey his commands, and if we obey his commands, we will love him. Jesus has not left us as orphans. The Father has sent us the spirit to be with us forever. We will always have his help. He teaches us all things and brings to mind the things that he said. And it is the presence of the Holy Spirit that enables us to live a life that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called. When we sin, the Spirit convicts us. And when we repent and confess our sin, we are forgiven, and we continue to walk in his ways, and we walk as a reconciled people with each other and with the Lord. And on top of that, There's peace. Something we cannot manufacture. He gives it to us. That's the only way we can have it. So let's not fear to ask in Jesus' name, but let us make our thoughts and our words and our deeds line up with the name that is above all names. Let's take up the challenge. Of John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And let's pursue the knowledge he provides, receive the spirit he has sent, and live the life that he commands. We are the people of God. We have taken his name. Let's represent him well. Not in our strength, but in his. And then, let's see how he will answer our prayers. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we recognize that we are a wretched bunch. And you have put before us something that we cannot do. But you've commanded it, and you want us to do it, and you have supplied everything we need to do it. Even though we will fail, we will mess up. And so we thank you, Father, for forgiveness of sin and for eternal life. We thank you for the fellowship of the saints. We pray that you will help us as we commit ourselves to represent you well. And now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen.
4: You know, when I pick songs,
1: I ask the Lord which songs we shall sing. And He generally doesn't say, Yup, that's the one. I just pick this one. And it's surprising how often it's the right song. So our closing song is number 544, Blessed Assurance. And even the title alone causes me to want to bend my knee in reverence. Because we have assurance that the creator of all things who wants to love us and know us and to have relationship wants with us, I have assurance that what I can't do, he will do through me. Let us sing to our Creator.
3: you receive this blessing and then I'll make a few announcements about the meal may the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace Amen